and welcome to a gem of a secret podcast. My name is Donatella, my secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. Listeners. How are you doing tonight, Coco? Uh, I have all of the emotions. All of the emotions. All of them. I, I, I chose all of them. That is my journey. Respect it. I am valid. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like that's something we were saying to each other a lot last night. Yeah. When we watched this. We're watch- we watched We're Here, the HBO special featuring Shangela Laquifa Watley. And it was the season two finale. Bob the Drag Queen and Eureka O'Hara. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We watched the season two finale, which featured um, three trans individuals from Grand Junction, Colorado. Yeah. My hometown, your last place of residence for the last decade. Such a long time that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last decade prior to two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I moved out of Grand Junction. T- we moved out of Grand Junction two years ago. Yeah. It'll be three for me in March. Oh, that's so crazy. Isn't that to think insane? About. <laughs> so, that is crazy. Yeah. About. Good heavens. Yeah. It doesn't feel like three years sometimes. Yeah. But... So, um, we're going to be talking about our reactions to the episode of We're Here. And I think I watched the first. And second episode of Think of We're Here this season. Yeah. Um, and this one, so like the whole journey and whatever. Um, but before we do that, Donna, what are you wearing uh, this evening? I'm actually dressed as a big gold fairy. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw the episode, everybody, that yeah. was one of the first things that one of our lovely Grand Junction locals said to... Big gay fairy. All of the hosts of we're here (laughs) yeah i wore um i'm also wearing gold yeah but i have fairy wings oh okay Uh, yeah that's why i did that you went really literal i went super literal yeah i just didn't have a lot of creative juices left in me (laughs) Uh, so yeah we we watched the episode of we're here yeah um the second it started uh uh before we even get into the episode like uh, we saw the monument, and I do miss the monument. Yeah, it started with them on the monument, and that skit they did with Eureka falling off was... I think that's how she hurt herself, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know who hikes the monument in heels. Oh my like, god. That was a choice. And I know that they probably didn't, but it sounds like she probably just fell. Look at Shangela's Instagram. She's standing, like, on the edge of a cliff, like, on a rock, just on, on the monument, in these, like six inch plus heels like with the platform <laughs> like I, it's probably higher than six inches but yeah she's standing there just on the monument without like a, a hand railing around like it's literally on a rock that's like a cliff is just beyond that and she's just standing there posing for photos and stuff on the on the colorado national monument she is dumb that's what that yeah <laughs> yeah um audience if you didn't know this a lot of people die at the a monument lot of people die yeah like yeah. a lot. Whether it's they go to the potholes and like drown or they accidentally fall or they accidentally drive off or they purposely drive off. Like a lot of people die. There's there. a lot of yeah, there's a lot of people who have died up there over the years. Um so that's a little scary. Yeah, that is yeah. scary. Um <laughs> which kind of makes sense for the skit that they did. Yeah, yeah. Uh should have put a trigger warning on that. Um Yeah. It's <laughs> for that city. Yeah. The very next scene, actually, they're just showing, because um, Bob makes a comment about how, like, Blue Lives Mattery it is up there. Yeah. And it's, what's interesting about that is, like, so for some of our listeners, because a lot of you are in Portland, um, so 
Deputy Greer mm-hmm. died in the line. Gear. Gear. I think, yeah. Died in the line of duty up there. And we've talked yeah. about it on the episode before. And so there was this, like, Gear Strong, Blue Lives yeah. Matter yeah. thing that uh, everybody had on their cars. And it wasn't really problematic. It wasn't really for support of police as much as it was in solidarity with an officer who died mm-hmm. um, in the line of duty. And so... It, there's just a lot of Blue Lives Matter stuff specifically because of that. Even prior the to the movements that, ha- yeah, it was before we even moved here. There yeah. was so much of that. Um, and a lot of the budget, like in a lot of cities, goes to the police. Um, yes. And that's just how it is there. It's very, there's a lot of police in Grand Junction. It's a very policed There is a city. lot of police in Grand Junction. And the funny thing about it is like, the police in Grand Junction, though problematic in their own right, um, when I was part of Black Lives Matter in Grand Junction, I met with the police chief mm-hmm. on several occasions, and we did joint programming together. This isn't to say the police in every city, like, people really should recognize the police in every city are not d- directly the same. Mm-hmm. In Grand Junction, you have to think about it. When there's not any black people to necessarily even harass, why would police be an issue for black people in that city? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, that's like that's like going down the street and like seeing a dog and be like, "I'm gonna kick that dog." Like that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, like yeah. Um. So, with that, uh, the next scene was specifically about a, like they showed a Confederate flag, um, waving, which I think I actually even know where that flag is, which is funny. It, is it at the store that's off of Horizon Drive? That one, like no. pool shop. Oh, okay. It, I think that was the one that's a, that's near Rocket Park. Not Horizon Drive. I uh. North, North Avenue. Avenue. That's yeah. the one I was thinking of. The yeah. pool place. Yeah. Yeah. I. No, I don't think it's from there. But yeah. Uh, any like, but I haven't seen a Confederate flag on a flagpole in a long time. I know it's been like since you since I lived there. <laughs> lived in Grand Junction. Yeah, people are. Active it was commonplace there. Yeah, I I feel validated in my feelings of the place that I grew up. Um, after watching the episode, I think there is a lot of beauty there, but I definitely. I think a lot of people would always, when I talked about moving, would be like, oh, it's not so bad here. Or would, like, try and, Mm -hmm. like, talk Grand Junction up like it is better than it actually is. And now being removed there from almost three years and watching that episode, I'm like, damn, it really is just as uh, homogeneously, like, white and heterosexual and older people as um, I always believed it was, you know? Like, it's, it's very... It's a very hard place to be anyone who is different. Yes. And what's fascinating to me is, uh, so Angie, one of the people that they selected um, to be, um, you know, do the drag show in the episode, Mm -hmm. uh, Angie posted online, I think that she was the one who, on her Facebook, but anyway, they were, uh, I believe, Charlie Dwellington's, Mm -hmm. and there was a picture of, like, all the people, like, at the showing, and because I live in Portland now, like the photo looked whiter than usual to me. Um, and I, and I say that because like, obviously like when I lived there, Grand Junction was 69,000 roughly white people. Sorry. No, in the city, city limits. Yeah. In the city limits of Grand Junction, 69,000 people and 420 something of them were black. Yeah. So, Obviously, it's safe to say. And then, like, obviously, the black queer people, there was, like, five. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, like, so, like, seeing that photo, it just was really alarming that 
that this is where I was at for such a long time that it was just an abundance of white and you just mm-hmm. got used to it because you lived there for so long and then looking back at that photo I was like good grief yeah like my word yeah. <laughs> it really is it really is so damn white there and yeah, and also just some context for our listeners, too, about Grand Junction. So there was one part where they're in Palisade, um, and they were asking about, like, if it's a separate city from Grand Junction. And yeah, it is. But um, when we say, like, the city of Grand Junction and the Grand Valley, so the Grand Valley makes up, like, Palisade, Grand Junction, and Fruta and other surrounding areas. Um, but uh, when we say, like, city of Grand Junction, that's, like, literally in the city limits. The thing is, I know that this is our starting off, like, incredibly heavy, but there are... I have positive things to say about the episode. A lot of positive things to say about the episode. Yeah. But it was... Uh, my reaction is based off of my feelings towards the thing I saw, which is funny. Even in the first five seconds, the woman walking down the street in the blue shirt, I used mm-hmm. to work with her. Yeah, that's what you said. That's yeah. it's wild. Like, even the people that were extras, we were like, oh, yeah, yep, we know. <laughs> I know that's, some of that's, these. That's that. <laughs> that's that. That that's, person. That's that person. Yeah. Um. And uh, there are moments that I do miss Grand Junction in the sense, but it's only for comfortability. It's always comfort. Like when I'm doing something mm-hmm. so new in Portland, it just makes me miss Grand Junction because I was so used to it because I lived there for a decade. And you know what to expect. You know what to expect. You don't have to be awkward. You don't have to be uncomfortable. Um. So those moments. like mm-hmm. So looking at Main Street, I always liked walking down Main Street during the day when I was hanging up posters for drag shows. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and so like watching them walk down the Main Street, I was like, oh, I kind of miss Main Street. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are parts of Main Street that I miss. I, I went down there with my family when I was just there in October for my mom's birthday. And um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to go down all of Main Street like I normally do. But I... Uh, it is still very pretty, and I hope... I think that Grand Junction can be a good place with some generational turnover. Let's just say that. I think, like, the younger generation, if they have more stuff like this kind of, like, going through there, and, like, just really, like, there is more uh, youth influence in Grand Junction, mm-hmm. I feel like it could be a really great place. But unfortunately, like, it is very much so controlled by a lot of white older people who are retired there it is and and grand junction has it's funny because it's a college town and it's also retirement community Mm -hmm. and so when i was part of blm we had long talks and discussions about how um why people were graduating and not staying. Now, I was a person who graduated and I stayed. You were one of the very rare cases. Yes, because yeah. like what happened was like there, I got a job almost in my field, so that's why I came back. And then yeah. there were some people that are still there that yeah. um, are seeming to thrive and they are in the queer community and I graduated with them. Yeah. Um, and that's great, honestly, if you can figure out a way to make that work for you. But a majority of the people who stay and make it work do tend to be white. Yeah. I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So getting into the episode a little bit, um, they choose, what I do appreciate the fact that they chose like everybody in the show that was highlighted was like non-binary or trans. Uh, Yeah. Trans non-binary. I like, I loved that. Like, because that is such a like hidden community in Grand Junction as well. Like all of, all of the LGBT community is sort of hidden in Grand Junction. Yeah. But I mean, especially being trans, and 
kind of after a while not really getting the recognition and like the alphabet soup that we are for lgbt yeah um, it's um overwhelmed like the soup is really big in portland yeah. but being in grand junction the soup existed it just wasn't seen yeah except for like at pride events yeah and, you'd mostly see like lesbians and gays yeah yeah um and we did have close friends who were trans we, did. When we lived there yeah uh so w- what's interesting too is that um the people that they chose because i know that like i've had a couple of people tell me that like you know there was a list of people that they like went through and they chose these people and i think mm. that, that makes a lot of sense to keep it in that uh, trans non-binary section and that was kind of cool for sure um i think i not related to but the story i think that pulled mostly on my heartstrings was angie's story yeah more so than any of the other stories not that they are diminishing those experiences but it just was beautiful yeah like from it really start was to finish yeah and that's the only person that they covered that i didn't know out of the three um that yeah. i hadn't met previously um, and she, yeah, her story was just so beautiful and it was, it was really cool to see how she had gotten the confidence to like get up there and perform at the end when it was something that was completely out of her comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I thought it was also interesting how a lot of the people said that their introduction to the queer community was through drag shows. Yeah. And I'm not dis- going to discount anybody because it could have been like some of Javi's drag shows or whatever mm-hmm. that they went to, but I'm pretty sure they were ours. Yeah, but um, and I don't know for certain, but the reality, Dustin's I know was yeah, ours, but yeah. the reality of the situation is, is I think it's really cool. When I heard that, actually, I got a little like sentimental. Yeah, I know a lot of people's first drag show ever, um, was something that we created. Yeah, because we had a monthly drag show. Yeah, um, for it a long went time. on for a long time, and w- there were times when we had very packed houses. So many people. Mm-hmm. So many people. There were there were really good nights for us there, and um, we kept it going for a while. And yeah, it was it was really cool. And I, I I would get people occasionally that would come up to me and be like, I hope that you all know that like how how much you impact people, even though they don't tell you. Like just because people don't tell you, like you don't really realize how much you impact people just by being present and being here. Yeah, I I remember those conversations, mm-hmm. and it's still hard to believe. Yeah, our haters were very loud, and um, our usually came from within our own community. Yeah, within our own community, and our supporters were always like super on the outs. But like, even when BLM started, like when the BLM movement took off last year, mm-hmm. um, when we were doing the protests in Portland. I got a lot of messages from people in Grand Junction about all of the work that I did when I was there Mm -hmm. and like just people wondering how they could support and recognizing that I was correct. And then even like my old supervisor at Hilltop had Mm -hmm. mentioned that um, they had had dialogues about me in like higher up meetings and stuff that I was saying and like, and the messages that I was trying to push. But even in the queer community side, like I had people reach out to say that you know it's different without you all here, without you and Donovan here, like that was just really eye opening to me. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of us have left. A lot of people have. A lot of very like talented people have either like 
left Grand Junction after being there for a long time, or it's been like kind of a passing through point for them. Um, like people that come to mind for me are obviously you and I, Livy, Gina, Rain, Rain, yeah, uh, Odette, Odette, yeah. yeah. A lot of people, like for them, like Grand Junction was just too difficult to thrive in. It was difficult to thrive in. Mm-hmm. And people were always like on the verge of moving, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Like yeah. people always just wanted out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as possible. Um, and I think in, on that same point, it's it's really interesting to watch strangers in that place and seeing the beauty of it, because I do remember the beauty mm-hmm. of it. And then... I mean, the monument, the opening scene, just in general. There's a lot of physical beauty there and natural beauty there. Yeah, I still yeah. have a Black Friday shop there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I... But seriously, like, it... There have been a lot of people that left. Like, pretty much every single board member of my BLM has also... Left. Left. Yeah. Right? Like, that's that's really eye-opening that these people who are trying to create these systemic changes just keep getting ran out of town because um i was once called um a weakling because they're like they're like well you didn't stay and fight and i'm like i stayed and fought for years for years i fought my entire fucking life i'm done fighting i want (laughs) to be a witch out in the fucking oregon woods like i don't want to i don't want to (laughs) fucking i mean yeah i got the like i helped get that inclusivity proclamation passed like get yeah get away from me like yeah (laughs) thank you we were regularly harassed um consistently yeah i was a i was a victim of a hate crime um a lot of shit happened there that wasn't so great like (laughs) and they say you know like don't be like a victim of your like circumstances or whatever but you know what it was pretty fucking hard to exist there it was and to be happy and to not like want to drink myself to death um which look at me here now you know like i uh i don't i'm yeah i'm i'm thriving i'm healing i'm becoming a like a better person now that i left that place and that toxicity yeah i think we both are yeah i'm definitely thriving and uh and actually as i think about it i've been super rude donna how are you doing this evening well coco i will let you know after this brief break it's a podcast with coco and donna tell a podcast tune into what they tell you podcast with coco and donna tell a podcast well, Coco, I'm also thriving. That's <laughs> what we left off on. I know. That's, that's, that's <laughs> you were like, I'm thriving. Actually, I've been rude. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Coco, I'm thriving. Yeah. I'm doing great. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so we're in, talking about our trauma in Grand Junction. <laughs> as, as often this that, podcast turns into sometimes. Yeah, we should just rename it to that. I just, I just, I well, let's talk about our Grand Junction trauma. trauma. <laughs> Because, so, during the episode, um, yeah. and I know people um, probably at this point are thinking it's like a little bit heartless. It was supposed to be focusing on Angie, Taylor, and Dustin. And Dustin, yeah. Um, for our podcast. And 
I recognize, like, I want to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I do. I want to talk about them and their journey and how much, how impactful that was to so many people. But there were other things in the background that I think is actually going to be interesting for the listeners. Because you can watch the episode and get everything that you want to see out of those three individuals because yeah. that's what the show is highlighting. I want to talk about the things that were surrounding all of those things that were also happening at the same time. Yeah. So, for instance, the Pride Festival. Yes, we need, we need to unpack this. Because... Good, I the amount of people I recognize was well, actually that's not surprising. I, I recognized a lot of people. Yes. I did see my ex husband. Yep. Um. Uh, on stage, I did like see Carly. Yeah. And then of course we saw Caleb. Yep. Um. Actually, not at the Pride Festival. I yeah, I, I think there was a clip of him there okay. too. He was he was the featured. Uh, he was the featured gay the featured, in all of those scenes. <laughs> the featured, uh, yeah, gay extra. I mean, he even, I mean, he had a speaking part too, so that was cool for him. Yeah, that was incredibly traumatizing. Um, we'll get to that <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but so the Pride Festival. Now, we explained this on the podcast before, but I know a lot of people are turning in ever since we talked about local lounge, mm-hmm. and so people probably haven't listened to our past episodes. So, real briefly. In two past episodes, one, Donna talks about her experiences with the Pride Festival, and she actually posted a video online. I did. Uh, about how she felt hurt by the Colorado West Pride organization. Yeah. Uh, they didn't treat local performers really well for a long time, and I, I don't know if they still are. Um, it was hard to... It was really hard to feel like we were, like anything really to them like you think that local pride organizations would embrace their local talent and try to get them involved in things and there were definitely uh, there was a lot of like conflicts with them and it was always like a power struggle to like fight for like stage time did we get it yes Yes. we did we had to but we had to fight for it consistently yeah it was just um it was just horrific having yeah. to go through those experiences and not feel valued. So yeah. the reason that me and Donna and Natalie and even Stella got featured was because we raised money to bring out headliners every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's how we were involved. Now, um, all of that is to say that was in a past episode. And then the secondary thing that's in a past episode is I was actually fired from the pride board yeah um or pushed out is how i like to think about it mm-hmm. um because of the uh the vice president at the time actually the event manager at the time yeah and so because of just some situations that happened but like so watching that uh, me and donna actually made a vow to each other that we wanted to move before the next cwp colorado's pride event yep and we like, did we did well actually donna got out I didn't make it in time, but I was, mm. I was like on my way out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so watching the pride festival is incredibly triggering for both of us. One of our pictures that we have with me, Natalie, Donna and Adam is actually wearing our little black and white outfits at mm-hmm. the pride, the last pride festival we performed yeah. at together. Yeah. That was the last one that we were all performing at together. And that was the year when things were really bad. That was the pride after I made the whole video. Right. Yeah. And, um, they refused to say my full drag name, once the entire festival yeah 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 and then they um scratched our names off on the set list in the basement for the rainbow party yeah and didn't give us a call time 
And yeah. Yeah, and it was only supposed to just be me and Donna, but we included Adam, Adam and, and Natalie. Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was it. Was our fuck you? It was our fu moment. It was great. So watching the festival, um, it actually was really beautiful to see like all the like camaraderie and like to see the people and to see like the moments that they filmed and whatever. And I guess it was in a parking garage, probably the Two Rivers parking garage. It's what mm-hmm. it looks like. And I think it's like probably because of COVID related and something like that, even though Eureka made a comment that it's really sad that it's hidden away. It was never really hidden away. It was always out in public. It was always out in public. Like there was always a parade and stuff. Um, Yeah. I think the community in general is very hidden away. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, the pride organization, and we weren't the only ones who felt jilted or, or, you know, like mm-hmm. we had been done wrong by the Colorado West Pride organization. Right. I, when I posted my video, I got a lot of DMs from people feeling threatened by some of the organizers, feeling mm-hmm. like they were made to feel very uncomfortable at a lot of the events. And so, it, you know, like I think the, the, it was kind of what I was going back to in the first part when I said that our own community is often like a lot of the fights that we were having. And that was true for just the community in general, the LGBT community in Grand Junction in general. Right. There was a lot of infighting, and then there was just, like, a lot of, like, there wasn't really a lot of, like, celebration about being queer. I've never felt so celebrated being queer in a place like I am now, and coming from a place that is, like, the exact opposite of where I am now, I can see how vast, like, the differences are. Yes. And I remember... Well, because obviously since I got kicked out mm-hmm. um, to a degree, um, and they'll probably say that I quit, but I didn't quit. I said, should I just quit if this is how you all, you know, are acting? And then they just kicked me out. Yeah. Um, and I remember there was a threatening post online. And at the time, I think Sergio was like the vice president or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, he wrote a post online very threatening post to me mm-hmm. he's like i know like i can ruin your name and blah 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 like all this stuff i remember he, that he sent he deleted it i saved it mm-hmm. <laughs> receipts or everything um and sent me that threatening that threatening thing online attacking mm-hmm. me and stuff like that and it was and it's just because like it it was so weird how that city like we just people just never wanted to be able to get along with drag artists like it was awkward and stuff and and even so and even on the side of how powerful the story was and even though they weren't featured like me and Javi never really had the best of relationships no like I think we did when I first like started doing drag but like um I have a lot of trauma associated with that person I do too um with a well with a lot of the people there but yeah I, I I have a lot of traumas associated with the conflicts that I was having with people there um and I do want to acknowledge that since I've been there, I I am able to kind of look back and see areas where I was a really shitty person too, because I don't think that I was very present when I was in Grand Junction. Um, I don't think that I was, I think I was taking out a lot of my traumas on other people and drinking and doing that. And I don't know. I, I think because... Now for me, it is almost three years ago. I am like upset about things and processing things, but I'm also able to kind of look back and be like, 
damn, like I also could have been better in this situation too. But that was also for me because I was like drinking very heavily. And I feel like me when I was under the influence of alcohol is, is very different from me now where I'm a lot calmer <laughs> and right. able to kind of like use crit- critical thinking to handle my, um, my issues and stuff. But Well, that's one thing that's kind of different about Portland versus Grand Junction. Like people in Grand Junction, sorry, people in Portland have the ability oftentimes will get there mm-hmm. to see their own wrongdoing. Yeah. Right. Like, in Grand Junction, people never got there. Like, it was it was hard for people to understand, like, the way you treated another individual in the queer community, like, usually there was never any, like, makeup pattern that ever seemed to happen. And people would repeat the same patterns and styles. Yeah. That continued hurting you in the first place. Yeah. And, like, it got worse. It, it got would get worse. It would often. get, like, it would get escalated and more vindictive. And sometimes I was the one escalating it, but... Cause, and so for those of you out there, Javi is the trans man in the episode, the older one, who was hosting a lot of the shows. Yeah. Because I don't think they really did, like, because they didn't do a really, a shoot on him. No, they didn't. I mean, they, in the uh, extra scene, they talked about the Van Tykes and how it's a, a big drag family on the western slope of Colorado. Yeah. They talked about the Van Dykes. Yeah. So, yeah, they're the head of that family. And mm-hmm. so, um, and like, and this isn't specifically, like, I respect also, actually, you know, it's a podcast and we told, we said that we would get real about this. There are two things I want to say about Javi specifically. So a friend of mine posted like when I heard about we're here filming and whatever, uh, somebody had wrote online about all the stuff that Javi's done for the community and like, and how great he is and like all these other things and whoop de whoop And I actually unfollowed that person. Yeah. Because the thing is, Javi has done a lot for the community. Mm-hmm. But that's just not my story with them. Yeah. Like, they thought and treated me. They othered you a lot. They othered me consistently. Yeah. And. He definitely and, did. And never congratulated me on the work I did for the community ever and i don't know and yes i did say oftentimes how amazing he was about some of the stuff that he was doing for people and consistently made me feel like the black sheep of the drag family drag scene in the city because i wanted drag artists to make money yeah for doing drag like i rarely did things for free um and javi said this isn't what it's about it's It's about about community." community And I would be like, yeah, it's also about, I'm trying to make a career out of this. I want to make it on Drag Race. I yeah. be a famous drag artist. And that wasn't their journey. Yeah. Yeah. It was d- two very differing goals. And I, I wanted to make the money, too. I just And, and we did for a little while. Yeah. In Grand Junction, we, we made, made some, some money. Shoot money. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but... Moving on from that rant, so they did the Pride Festival and whatever, and it was beautiful. And Dustin performed, uh, and I've so I've known Dustin for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex husband was their drag mother for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did hang out on several occasions. They used to come to like every single one of our drag queen karaoke's. Yeah, they came to a bunch of our shows. Yeah. Um, Stuff like that. So I know them intimately. Yeah. I also... The thing is, I don't necessarily even actually have a problem with Dustin as much as 
the people that Dustin surrounded himself with mm-hmm. back before transition was people who were really horrible to me. Yeah. Uh, I think their ex-partner, um, their yeah. ex-partner and one of their ex-close friends uh, went online and started calling me a rapist. Yeah. Um, and started saying I did all of these horrible things and like it was really bad. Yeah. So a lot of trauma associated with that person and the people they associated with. And now I know that Dustin isn't with that person anymore. Yeah. Um, at all. But I had a lot. Yeah. That was a hard time in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was difficult. Yes. Yeah. By all accounts. And I was not okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, having like interactions with a lot of the people that were on the episode and just kind of like trying to, um, trying to like replay how things went down and kind of how like your communications like ended with them and all that stuff. And yeah, there was there was lots of lots of uh like infighting and stuff and like little dramas and it seemed like there was always something new every every week um or every time that we were like out doing something something would happen and it would become a thing online or someone mm-hmm. would post something. And this mm-hmm. is in a small city. Like this isn't mm-hmm. like a this isn't like, you know, I've I found that Portland drama there's obviously more participants in it, but like with Grand Junction drama, there's also not a lot going on there. So the little like queer community that there is, if someone says something about someone, they're going to know who it's about. Oh yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah. There was no escaping it. There were times, there were so many times when people were like called out by name in Grand Junction two on Facebook. And you would like, like the times too, where you would be called out and then you would see like someone's like whole like friend list commenting about you or like saying things about you and they don't even know you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, like it did, it did kind of like, I guess, prepare you for like the way that people handle things in, in Portland too. Well, it's but... so fast. Like, so I was fine with Camp Wanakiki because of that too, because yeah. of Grand Junction, I was fine with Camp Wanakiki because of, Grand Junction, I was fine with never happened in Portland. And I have this rule in Portland, which people seem to not really appreciate. Yeah. If you name me online, I don't talk to you anymore. Mm. Like, I have no desire to. And people yeah. have been like, wait, that doesn't, that seems really, that seems really inappropriate. I was like, people in Portland take to the internet before they will have a conversation in that's, person. That's the, yeah, that's, that's the shitty thing. And I think that goes for anywhere that people do that. You need to talk to people in person rather than all of a sudden getting on to like call them out. Like how fucking, how fucking cowardly is that too? Yeah, like, like you're showing your lack of ability to communicate with someone by doing that. Mm-hmm. You're also showing that you're just kind of being like shitty, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it, I guess for the people that would say it to your face and have said it to their face, like, good for you if you do that, then whatever. Like, at least you're real on social media, on social media, like you are in person. But yeah. a lot of the times people will, because they feel like they, um, are like emboldened to and have like mm-hmm. all of a sudden this like boost of like courage to do, you know, to like, mm-hmm. to call someone out, they'll do it over a keyboard and not to their face, you know? Talk yeah. to people, have conversations, have productive conversations. Well, and it's happening to me right now, obviously with like everything happening with local lounges, people have opinions. Um, yeah. And are posting stories related to it and not actually having any conversations with me in person. 
But getting off topic a little bit, I did want to talk about, um, I think it's great. I do see, to get to more of the positive side, Mm -hmm. I do see a change in Dustin versus when I knew them before. I do too, for sure. Um, I remember having a conversation with their mom about their transition and things like that way back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember... I remember them being a lot more shy, yeah. Um, too, and so seeing this whole version of them is just kind of eye opening. Yeah, because Junior, uh, Dustin's caregiver, yeah, is actually a really close friend of mine, like a really close friend of mine. I, believe it or not, I've known Junior since elementary school. Oh, so you really knew these people? Yeah, yeah, knew these people. Yeah, I really knew a lot of these people. (laughs) And so, and um, and I love Junior to death. Yeah, he he's one of my favorite people. He's one of the people I actually still keep in contact with from grade. He's a very cool person. Yeah, and so, uh, I I do see a massive change. And so, listening to Dustin's story, which obviously I've heard, is it was cool to see the change and it's been years since I've seen them. Mm-hmm. I didn't see them my last year when I was in Grand Junction because they kind of just disappeared off the map because of the situations that they were involved in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the last time I saw him was when uh, he was like going up North Avenue or something like that, hmm. like just on the sidewalk. And I was yeah, like, it had been a while for me too. So... Taylor, I remember a little, mm-hmm. which I know probably sounds offensive, um, because just I there was a lot of people in Junction that we met at the time, and yeah. when we were doing drag and anything drag related, yeah, and but their story was heartbreaking. Obviously, yeah. I never, I never, I knew Dustin's story. I did mm-hmm. not know Taylor's story. Yeah, I I didn't fully know Taylor's story. I hadn't known them that well. They were always very sweet and nice when I had encounters with them. Um, but yeah, um, it was, it was really neat to see how different the three stories were. It was, um, Taylor had the, the queer meetup, Mm -hmm. um, which does need to keep happening, which I do think that those need to keep happening. I actually think I remember, somebody doing queer meetups i don't know if it was taylor or not but Mm. i remember some i think i remember caleb talking about it yeah those need to keep happening they need to keep having things like those there yeah any kind of space honestly just any kind of space where people can meet up you know that isn't just considered like an everyone bar because we all know that that that's a thing no bar wants to call themselves a gay bar in grand junction yeah no one (laughs) no one would ever do that while we were there there was a gay bar there before we were able to like kind of go out mm-hmm. and yeah, but um, the, well, there was another one too that was like a a club that was off of I want to say it was off of North Avenue. It was off of North Avenue. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a queer bar though. I remember it. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it was kind of. It was like it was on Seventh, I think. I'm talking about years ago. Like many many years ago, oh. it was like oh, a whole. It was oh, like called yes. Steel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was up on that was up on North. Actually, yeah. I don't remember that as a queer space, but people yeah. did tell me that that was a queer space. Yeah, that it was a space. Yeah, yeah I don't actually remember the name of that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. it was called some. I feel like it was Steel. It was some sort of metal. That's what I remember. It's <laughs> like that was the name of the like gay 
club bar that used to be around back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I remember Seth talking about it. Yeah. I actually did see Seth in the episode, too. Yeah, yeah. Seth and uh, I think Kenneth is is their name? I think that's their partner's name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no. It, um, so there have been, like, queer establishments there before. It's uh, They've either failed or... I mean, I don't really know enough about the reasons why they're not there to, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> elaborate on it. But um, I don't know. If it's not a bar, then, like, maybe, like, a like a coffee shop, a space where people can, like, meet up, like, a sober, mm-hmm. a sober queer space there or something like that. Like, anything that would be good for that community to kind of, like, come together and, like, just... When I was on the Pride Board, we talked about that a lot because people didn't want to come to our parties. They wanted to have more things. I remember one of the events I threw during Pride was... Um like a discussion panel mm-hmm. with um POC uh, yeah it was called QPOC mm-hmm. I think is what it was called for a pride like little question and answer thing and stuff like that yeah it was actually really cool yeah um yeah it had one trans person on it um it was it was great it was it was a really good talk yeah people had a lot of questions yeah um so going back to um so by the way listeners we are going to make this a two-part episode yeah there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot and we're not even halfway through the episode yeah uh so after that they did start then of course like talking about you know the drag show and what that would mean and stuff like that and i didn't realize this but there are a lot of talented drag artists that do live in grand junction still yeah like natalie yeah and not seeing her at all in the episode I felt was like a miss and I know it's not about that yeah um, if the show's not about the local drag it's scene, not yeah but like not having the most like what I would consider to be the most talented drag artist in that city definitely not being anywhere in it just feels like it was a missed opportunity yeah well especially for a, a community that's so small you know yeah like even just seeing like a flash of her in the audience would have been nice same yeah. with same with Kenneth, you know, any any member of the community that is like has been an entertainer there, mm-hmm. you know, um, just seeing more of them would have been good. Um, yeah. And although it isn't about that, like we also think that our friend has also kind of been uh, not treated the best since we left. So no, from my understanding, there was a lot of negative moments um, from my understanding anyway. Yeah. So, um, I think that where I want to end this part of the episode is acknowledging that I think that this message was incredibly important for the city. It was. It was incredibly important. And hopefully there'll be more people who are not, like, open to such a show because it's happening in Grand Junction. They will watch it. Yes. You know? Because I, um... One of my greatest achievements in my life was actually speaking in full drag at the Women's March in Grand Junction Mm -hmm. and uh, having those thousands of people, you know, actually probably not thousands, probably hundreds Mm -hmm. of people like listening and something like that to like this message. And I, I, um, during my speech, I said, do you know that I said black trans women are being killed at a disproportionate rate? Um, to their, you know, says counterparts and whatever I said. 
And I go, do you know, Grand Junction, that there is a large trans population that actually lives here? Mm-hmm. I was like, you just don't know it yet because yeah. I don't feel safe enough letting you know. Yeah. And this was like, what, four or five years ago at this yeah. point now? Um, I I said that on the microphone and I, and I said it often at shows and people, people never recognized that they did or didn't know. There was a meeting I had at the company I worked for, because Hilltop has a lot of employees. And I said once, I was like, do you know that you have trans people working here? Um, and actually, because he was in the show, um, Junior was actually one of the trans people hmm. who was working at Hilltop at the time. I was actually heavily, um, I was the person who did their name change. So they wouldn't get dead named um, just from like all the systems that we had. That's cool. Yeah. Like um, it came to me and like Mm -hmm. when I was being asked about it, I was like, I will take care of this. Yeah. And got all of their information and everything updated into the system. Now, I don't know their experience being trans working for that company at all. Yeah. I don't want to speak on it, but that is it's people even when I gave that speech to the um victims advocates in mm-hmm. the jail uh and and sorry and and the people in the jail too like i was talking about trans people and i used caitlin jenner because it was a hot topic at the time yeah um to help explain what trans was to all of these individuals who'd never even heard this term before and a lot of them be like i don't know any trans people i don't think i ever will this grand junction colorado yeah i heard that so much and i was like you don't know who is trans and who's not i had so many friends this is the part that they didn't say a lot. And actually, it was never brought up in the episode. And I really want this to be clear. I had a lot of trans friends in Grand Junction. Yeah. A lot of them did not go to work presenting um, as they wanted to. Yeah, that's true. They yeah. would take it all off to go mm-hmm. to work or to church. Yep. Or, like, they would hide. Um completely who they were mm-hmm. um and we did because we did have a we had a trans panel once i think it was offered through the school um i think javi led it i remember i i, th- I feel like i remember that i, yeah. I remember that too because uh, i was offered to be on it as like the drag yeah I, I remember attending that yeah that that was that was a good thing yeah that was yeah. a good panel um and trying to force this narrative out there into the public that this is who this exists here Mm -hmm. and to differentiate between drag queens Mm -hmm. and trans women yeah yeah like and what that means for people and just to like educate people about it and yeah it's actually a really and i know that that's a very common story like you hear in the lifetime specials about what trans means and people hiding themselves in grand junction it was such a reality about mm-hmm. hiding yourself it really was um in all forms of your sexual orientation oh and if you were non-binary oh my gosh oh, that heavens honestly like not non-binary was pretty unheard of at grand junction like i'd say the closest to non-binary we got was people who like were in drag and exploring their gender identity and kind of, you know, but we'd never really had anyone that openly identified as non-binary a lot of the time. I I think I even used the term like gender fluid or gender queer when I came out and 
yes. people didn't really I didn't really like let my gender identity be known to like a lot of people when I was there because I didn't it was I didn't want to have to constantly explain myself to people who like wouldn't understand it right and I remember I remember when I finally because my gender identity is by gender mm-hmm. when I finally found that term um people in Grand Junction didn't really get it and they didn't really acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, and even in Portland, people are still kind of bad about it, but like, um, because I use he, him, she, her pronouns, Mm -hmm. uh, people often forget that I live underneath that umbrella as well. And in Grand Junction, like I said, it was like, but I didn't have to hide my gender identity because I am comfortable in my male presenting form. Yeah. Like, which I would do at work or going to the grocery store or things like that or whatever. Yeah. It was always the in-between that I would always feel super uncomfortable in public about. And I, I was never that guy that wore, had nail polish or things in my hair, wore makeup or any mm-hmm. of those stuff. Like when I went out and whatever, cause I did not feel comfortable in makeup unless I was presenting completely femme yeah completely femme or else i felt like i would get hate crimed yeah I, the only time i would ever put on makeup that wasn't like full drag makeup was when i was going out to like one of the bars that was very queer friendly you know or yeah. gay friendly it was gay friendly <laughs> yeah gay and lesbian friendly gay and lesbian. <laughs> not open that door um. yeah <laughs> so i i do think that that part of the show and the message of like trying to show people that trans and trans and non-binary people exist um or what did taylor say future what was the term future future neutral future neutral yes which is sounds like very much term from somebody who's at least a decade younger than me (laughs) (laughs) um uh that makes a lot of sense to me yeah that future neutral um and what that means for people because gender still uh, you know, it's a it's a societal construct that mm-hmm. is very rigid. Yeah, and even in Portland, even though it's not as rigid, it's still something that exists, right? Mm-hmm. We have to define it so much so so people can feel comfortable with language and communication. Yeah. So I think that the show did do a great job in that, and I wanted to really highlight that at least for myself. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it did a great job too, at all of that. I liked the moment with Dustin and his mom when. They were talking and he's like, I need to correct you right now, but pronouns. Yes. And I thought that was really good. That's I mean, it's a good thing for people of that city to like look at and be like, hey, this is important to people. And, um, you know, don't be an asshole. Don't deliberately use the wrong pronouns for people right. or or not be courteous of, of what people's preferences are for their pronouns. You know, like it's just. I don't know. I think more people in that area need to be just like a little bit more empathetic and kinder towards people who are different. You know, I think, yeah, not I, beat them down to where they want to leave, you yeah. know, or are on the verge of killing themselves. And the other note with that, too, is somebody said to me before I told this to Donna yesterday, somebody said to me before we moved away that they said that me and Donna wouldn't survive um, outside of Grand Junction because the world's a lot harder Mm-hmm. Um, than the way it is in Grand Junction. The thing is, I think that people from Portland would have a very, some of our friends in Portland would have a difficult time in Grand Junction because of the sensitivity and awareness that got built up from having a queer bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we all know that those hate crimes exist and those 
mis- the uh, bigotry and homophobia and transphobia exists and things like that in other parts of the world. But when you're like living it from every second, every day, from the way you speak to you answer the phone, to your doctor's appointment, to your grocery stores, to you like seeing all the blue lives matter and Confederate flags and stuff like that from the second you just leave your front door. Um, like we built bubbles around ourselves in Grand Junction that were very queer and safe for us to live in, but you weren't always in that bubble because you did have a doctor's appointment or dentist appointment or had a yeah. meeting or going to city market, um, or just even walking across the campus. <laughs> yeah, um, you were always, you were always in the negative side, the thing that people yell about in Portland consistently. We were always there. Yeah, always in it, always yeah. fighting back just by mere existence well and that's and that's not to say that you know extreme transphobia and homophobia doesn't happen here we're not trying to like undermine that because it does happen in oh, po- it does in, happen here. yeah yeah, yeah because if you wander just outside of portland then you're in a lot of those areas where you know people who have those views mm-hmm. like we're kind of enclosed by a lot of those mindsets but yes in grand junction it was just a, a lot a lot more over and you were deaf you definitely knew you were in the minority there at all times you knew that you knew that you were in the minority they would never let you forget it. they wouldn't let you forget it at all Ooh, i think that's where we're gonna end that at yeah thank you everybody for listening to part one of this episode yeah thank you and we will be back next week with part two where we may even have an interview for you with some of the people that were featured in this episode of we're here so bye tune in bye